0: Hello, Jamie. Hello, Matt. And welcome, everybody. This is 9 to N, the podcast for business owners who just do not stop, no matter what is happening, brought to you by Iwaka. All right, Matt,
1: how are you doing today? I am in surprisingly good fetter, Jamie. I'm in a great mood. Why is that? Well, for the once... I get to quiz you this week. Ooh. Nice. The tables have turned, good sir. Explain it a little bit more for those okay. who don't know. So for those just joining us that have got used to us going through a section which we call Finance Explained, uh, this week we are going to do Marketing Explained. So something that might be uh, of interest as well as finance to small business owners is different ways of marketing, the different types of marketing you can do, uh, what mad marketing terms like SEO actually mean. And we're going to be covering them over the next few weeks.
0: Oh, And you're going to try and trip me up then. And so. I'm going
1: to quiz you because apparently you work in marketing. Uh, so I'm going to see <laughs> what thought who thought it? You know? uh, I'm going to see what your knowledge is and what knowledge gaps you might have and quiz you on None. those topics. Okay.
0: Yes, and we've actually made a few different changes to the show in mm. that we are
1: cutting it down a little bit. We are indeed. We're cutting down the amount of topics so we can talk more. Interesting. Uh, I, yeah, I'm quite excited. So we're going to only cover one news article. Uh, we're going to cover one invention or innovation, and then we are going to look at one quote, we think. Yeah,
0: we're going to try it, see see how it goes, and if we get to really get stuck into these topics and we get explaining a little bit more and giving more context around um, the different areas that we're bringing up. And hopefully this will uh, we'll get a little bit more back and forth going as a result of this, because, you know, we mean. don't have enough. of that. No, we don't. You're right. All right, news, what have you got?
1: Ooh, so the Shadow Chancellor. Do you know who the Shadow Chancellor is? Uh, It sounds like the person who killed Darth Vader on Star Wars. Almost, but not quite anything like the truth. Um, So the Shadow Chancellor, John McDonnell, so part of the Labour Party, is vowing to shorten the working week to 32 hours with no reduction of pay. Wow. Mm. Thirty-two hours. So the current average working week is thirty-seven hours, or thirty-seven point five hours. Apparently, do you work thirty-seven? I do not work thirty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I. Hours, no. um, <laughs> fifty. I'd be lucky if, I, yeah, I'd be lucky if I do less than fifty a week. Um, <laughs> the joys of London. So, uh, John McDonnell has said part of Labour's um, new manifesto for the next election is that they want to reduce the working hours. And bring back some of the trade unions and working bodies to to try and enforce this. Um, it's dropped apparently, so from the, fi- uh, from the 50s, 60s, the working week was actually up to around 65 hours a week. When? They're in the 60s. In the 1960s. In well, the 50s the- and 60s. The, so, some areas, the working week was 60 hours plus. Um, unions oh. and, and working groups helped reduce this. But what they've seen in the last 10 years is that, and we've all noticed this, is uh, that productivity hasn't increased with people now working longer hours. If anything, it's actually gone down, which is why we've seen quite a plateau of the productivity, the national productivity levels. You see, I disagree. with.
0: Well, I mean, I can't disagree with national productivity levels, but I do disagree that you're not productive <laughs> as soon as the timer hits, that it's nine to five, and then, and then all of a sudden you're not productive anymore. Why not? Because I am productive. I'm productive all the way to like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock.
1: Well, maybe. But, you know, there are always exceptions and I'm not saying you're one of them. But it's something that, say, if if you're looking at a working week and it is your 9 to 5, as you say, um, there will be occasions, and I'm sure business owners can relate to this, where you feel like your staff are effectively killing an hour each end of the day and not actually doing anything productive. So you get in at 9 o'clock. Nothing really happens till ten by the time you've actually grabbed your coffee, you've sat down in front of your computer and you've done your emails. You haven't actually done any work until ten in a in an imperfect world. And then at four o'clock you're looking at the door and waiting for the clock to hit five. So Yeah,
0: so so let's you cut the hours down and then all of a sudden someone gets in at ten o'clock, spends an hour reading the Daily Mail and having a coffee and then Of course
1: it's a danger. Of course it's a danger. Um so They've looked into a few different ways of doing this, and like you say, cutting the hours and saying you can only start at 10. So the the French have um, what they call almost a blanket cap. So they have a a way of uh, everything is uh, set about 32 hours, I think it is, as well. Okay. But they have set hours that you can work within. So if you ever go out to France, you'll find that quite a lot of the time, between 1 and 3 p.m., most shops close. Uh, for an extended lunch, which is all part of the working rules they have out there. Uh, the So Labour have said that they actually don't think this would work at all in the UK, mainly because of the different industries, uh, the different job styles. Because everyone would go down the pub. <laughs> <laughs> Probably everyone would go down the pub. Yeah. Three pints
0: later, but they stumble back the, in. <laughs> great
1: for the pub trade, but not so much for productivity, perhaps. Mm. Um, so what they've done, though, is that they've they've... Uh, published a report by uh, Robert Skiddlesky, uh, interesting surname, mm. try saying it three times fast. Um, so he's a professor of political economy at the University of Warwick. Uh, and he's one of the foremost on uh, the, the future of work is his, his specialty area. So he's, he does a lot of res- uh, research reports into productivity, into how changing working environments can, can better productivity, etc., um, and they're, say, they're saying that this thirty-two-hour week that they're proposing would be, you know, would work, would be beneficial. So whether that comes in the form of a four-day working week, like you see in some areas of Scandinavia. So my
0: um, friend, just to jump in there, my friend actually runs a PR agency, and mm. he has transitioned to a four-day working week, and he's done it for a year now. Yeah. Um, no loss in profits. Mm-hmm. Um, staff happier than ever. Can recruit. Um, it's really good talent because everybody wants the four day, yeah. you, you know, four day week. Seems to be doing absolutely really well. He did get a bit of flack though because he reduced the holidays and he was like from like 25 holiday days to 20 days, I right? think that's fair though. And he was like, guys, <laughs> like, people, I'm giving you 40-plus extra days. You have, like, 60 days a year now on holiday because you've got an extra... extra... Although you're always
1: going to bemoan something where it's you, suddenly you see some, some effectively, money going away from you, don't you? There's five days' wages they're not going to get. But are they getting the staff getting paid the same amount? Yeah, absolutely the, the same eggs? amount. Yeah, no, no impact. So you've lost a small amount of income that you would otherwise have if you decide to take a bit of extra holiday. But, yeah, you're getting... A three day weekend every every week. Why yeah. would you not be happy with that? It's amazing.
0: You and actually they, have to
1: use less holiday to take the same amount of time off.
0: Yeah, I know because you can just do it between. If you have a bank holiday day as well, like just just you're 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 right, away, yeah, aren't you? Yeah. You it's like three days, and you've so got a whole. Still, week.
1: You still effectively get your five five full weeks yeah. off.
0: But he's really clever. I mean, he did it for a PR agency, and um, it's good he, he got a lot of PR. <laughs> I mean, it really worked, but it really works for that industry in particular because yeah. journalists do. You know, go down the pub on a Friday. Really, they don't. They're not really looking for new stories that much. So PR people used to use the Friday for doing their reports. Um, you know, uh, co- their coverage books and whatnot.
1: Is that fair to say nowadays, when no, everything's digital?
0: That's what I'm saying. They don't need to do it anymore. So they. He was like, "Well, I'll just give you the day off well, instead." No.
1: Also, surely they still want to find stories at the weekend. People are still reading the paper on a on a Saturday. No, I'm or talking something. about the PR
0: people. Right, they oh, used so to so they so used so to do so so their coverage. Yeah, yeah so they like used it. to do their coverage books on the on the Friday, but they don't need to now because they've got digital um, work to do it for them instead. Digital tools rather.
1: Maybe we can cover PR in one of our marketing uh, sections. in sure. the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that would be. Or fun. I could just spring it on you today. I'd rather you did not today. At okay. least okay. let
0: me have a look at like PR for dummies. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it works for PR, but I, I I don't know about other industries. I certainly could not do less hours
1: could you not yeah no. i could absolutely do less hours i wouldn't i would probably m- like not be as happy about it because i do find sometimes that i'm actually you know for day for today example uh for today example terrible yes. english take today for example uh, i don't have enough hours today i've got too much going on but that you know that might be different on a friday for example to uh, so. say yeah, um, sure. I'm not, All right, I'm not Matt. Having a great time right now. <laughs> Let's move uh, past that. Okay, so the, the people in support of this, and um, as you can, as we've just said, there's, there's pretty much a lot of people in support. Uh, Caroline Fairbairn, so the director general of the business lobby group CBI, has said who would turn down Ford a four day week and the same pay. Yeah, and that that sums it up really, doesn't it? People want to work to live, not live to work. <sighs> I, I,
0: I, I'm, is it, is it obligatory? Is. Do I have to, you, are you going to force me out of the office?
1: Well, I don't think we could if we wanted to. I know, so. i just chained to the desk. So it'd be fine. You'd be on, on your own on the Friday and you're having a lovely time. Uh, yeah, I'm sure if you want to continue working, you're allowed. But it's not on your, you know, it's your salary, not roted onto it.
0: I feel a bit penalised. I feel like small business owners might feel a bit penalised because you're going to have to work anyway. Hmm. So now you're working while everybody else has got the day off.
1: At least you're all
0: in it together, you know?
1: (laughs) I think it would work. It's certainly worked in Scandinavia. Uh, I think it's Denmark that has implemented it a few years ago. Um, They're seeing it work. I know a few companies in the UK, so a few of the accounting partners I work with, do work a four-day week. uh, And I know some of them are at the top of their their field. So I, I can see it working or not working dependent on the culture, I think, more so of the company you're in. So if it's... If you've got an engaged staff group, I think it would be absolutely fine. Uh, They'll still come in and understand that you still expect the same results from them, um, and they're just going to work their time a bit better. And equally, you're still going to see people that are going to slack off, uh, because they'd slack off even if they only had to work one day a week.
0: All right. So this is coming in if Labour come into power then? Is that, exactly, is
1: that this is part of their manifesto pledges. Um, they're saying in the next election this is something that they will look to implement and they'll be pushing it out as quickly as possible. My question on it is how much sway would they have in implementing it, especially across the private sector, uh, unless they make it legislation that you can't, you know, have, workers can't work longer, exactly like you said, having to kick people out of offices. I don't know how you'd... police it at
0: all yeah especially in areas that are not traditionally been unionised it'd be very I imagine it'd be quite hard to accept that I used to work for an American company and they're just like Work, no. work 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 it wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't matter what anybody else said. just do your work stay yeah, here that's till fine
1: yeah on your contracts now just sign this you're now signing that you only work 32 hours a week legally no, not um, not, in, if you're not in here, blood <laughs> in blood sign it in blood not here on friday don't come back on monday yes um, so that is something to uh, to look out for potentially next year um we shall see
0: mm, okay what do you think listeners do you think a 32 and, what is it, 32 and a half hours? 32 nope. hours. Just 32 hours on the nose, uh, work a week is realistic as a small business owner. Would you expect your employees to do that? Drop us an in, uh, an email or or even a voice message at podcast.iwalker.co.uk or on our anchor site, anchor forward slash 9 two n. right. Well, that was quite an interesting kind of jump straight into the, well, Work, I guess, or the concept of working hours. But now we're going to move on to not-so-normal, everyday things into inventions and
1: innovations. And Mm. I... What are we talking about this week, Jamie? Well, how do you sleep, Matt? Uh, Generally horizontally, uh, restlessly, and for about five hours a night.
0: How about you? Uh, Like a log. (laughs) (laughs) Ten (laughs) o'clock. Had my, you know... Hot had water. your hot cocoa <laughs> yep. and uh, settled down with a nice book. <laughs> yep, on my back, snoring. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm sure your wife loves that. You no, know, I get
1: elbows all the time. Nice. Why restless? Uh, because I sleep five hours a night, Jamie. Yeah, but why do you sleep five hours a night, Matt? <laughs> why? Because I do too much at the end of the day and then I get up early. What time do you get up? About half five. Why on
0: this God's earth do you get up at five? I don't know. I get up at half five. Ha- sorry, fa- half five.
1: It's a nice time to get up. I can get things Says done him. in the morning.
0: You can't ask for, like, a 9 till 4 workday and then get up at 5 o'clock. I can. <laughs>
1: Watch me. You just said you want to be in the office all week. Because um, no, I'm well-rested. Well, uh, well, it's it's something that I've picked up, uh, a habit I've picked up over the years. Okay. Well, um,
0: I have a interesting invention that I spotted on Indiegogo, and it's called the clam pillow.
1: The clam pillow. The clam okay. pillow. Right, and... Um, so, hang on, just so... Clam like a... Before you go into any kind of description, a clam exactly like that, you know, hand motions, thank you, Jamie. Yeah. Um, but you put your head inside a pillow. So is this something like an oyster shell or a clam? Like, I put my head in it, well, I mean, and it's I not... just lock my head in it?
0: It's not quite an oyster, it's a clam, but okay. um, some other crustacean, mollusk, mollusk. Okay. Uh, yes, it is a pillow that goes over your head, but has been specifically designed so that you can actually breathe.
1: Now I don't know helpful. about you.
0: Do you, do you actually sleep with a pillow on your head sometimes?
1: So I have two pillows typically. Um occasionally I might chuck one over my head if I'm sleeping next to someone that's snoring um or for whatever reason if I'm trying to get to sleep in the day and it's too light maybe I'll chuck a pillow over my head. Yes. Otherwise no, not normally. Not head
0: of earplugs and in a and and I, I just
1: find them really uncomfortable.
0: Yes, exactly. Um me too. Uh I Usually, if I'm like, I really want to get to sleep or something about it, just chucking a pillow over your head, you feel really calm and collected and secure. It's like you're back in the womb or something. And (laughs) um, can't say I remember that feeling. You You could remember the idea like, uh, anyway. um, So, but someone's designed this pillow where you can do all of that, but you can actually breathe. Like, it's got a little V slot so you can put it directly over your nose. It's got like side vents so that you can actually breathe if you're like turned on sideways. And it's got, it's even got these little clasps that tuck in under like the bed or the the other pillow. So it clamps you shut.
1: Okay, so it acts almost like the top pillow if you have two and you put your other pillow underneath still.
0: Yes, you still use the other, but it's not a full. um, So you're
1: not laying flat on the bed with this weird like camp bed above you? Like a as you'd make as a child, where you put the sheets above you. No, not quite. I mean,
0: you—it you, looks like a very extravagant, uh, fluffy, soft eye mask. Okay. It's currently crowdfunding on Indiegogo. I, I thought, and I think there's about seven days left. So, if you really want a clam pillow just straight off the bat, then you better be, better get to Indiegogo to uh, to look it up. But I thought it was a good one to raise because I think it's quite an interesting example of a new trend within businesses uh, which is that they come up with a new invention and they test the waters on crowdfunding campaigns so crowdfunding
1: I, platforms rather I, I like crowdfunding i think it's brilliant I, I found so many inventions through it and so many different like christmas gifts and bits and bobs that... what have
0: you bought like what what um, things have you bought from them
1: what through crowdfunding yeah. so a weird uh, weird fan light thing uh, fan light thing uh, a household speaker that looks like uh, an old 60s lampshade, just some some really bizarre, honestly it's like the weirdest shopping list you've ever seen. drunk purchases after 11 Some of them are drunk purchases, yeah. Um, Or 5am shopping, you want nothing else to do. (laughs) Yeah, 5am shopping is probably worse than drunk purchases because you're still so tired, you just say yes. (laughs) But no, um, something I just want to dive into on this, I've just clicked through and seen what the clam pillow looks like in situ on a bed. It's enormous! (laughs) <laughs> it's the size of a double bed How do you What happens It's not a very sociable pillow is it uh, Yeah it's, it is it is quite large I'll say that So for those of you obviously with you no know context It's about two, about two Three foot wide But it has to clamp under I think
0: So it keeps it in place Because otherwise your pillow just falls off in the night The
1: picture here is of a person sleeping in the middle of a double bed And it's got about A foot each side of it to the edge of the bed. so. Well, big pillows are all the rage nowadays, aren't they? Okay. Yeah, no, no. I'm not, I don't know. I, I've never changed. I haven't changed for pillows in five, ten years. But Ooh, it's more, I think... If you've, you've changed the sheets, though. I think, yeah, of course. <laughs> it's more... Oh, okay, there is a picture of someone lying next to someone else. He looks very content. He's got his head... He can't see anything. Yeah, he's pretty happy, to be fair. Yeah. So I, I can kind of understand it. I think, for me, personally, it's a bit excessive. If I wanted to do that, I'd just chuck a towel over my head. I didn't want something crushing my face. Mm, fair enough. But I think I think it's nose. quite good. So you wouldn't you wouldn't use it then? Personally, no. Um, I, sl- I so one of the uh, one things for me when I sleep is I have I have a perfectly dark room, so I've got blackout curtains, etc. So pitch black, can't see my hand in front of my face. So I don't think I'd need something like this. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I mean, I think I
1: would. I'd potentially consider it. Yeah, uh, I think I can fun. understand that, like how it could help people, especially maybe some like people that are either snorers or might have you know, as i said restless sleep um does give you that level of comfort just holds you in place so i can understand that yeah. uh, and and the way of going through back to the crowdsourcing point i think using the crowdsourcing for for this so just a way to get the product to market uh, where you've got the, you've got the concept uh, you're then looking at building your prototypes and you're then looking at putting it into mainstream production Crowdfunding, I think, is fantastic for that. I think it's incredible.
0: I mean, you can come up with ideas, and not only do you have a a rather captive audience, because you have fans on these websites, and people and press are regularly scanning it for new inventions and innovations, just like we are, Um, but you also can really quickly and at no cost test... Um, where they're a, a product fit of an idea, a market fit, rather, of an idea, and go, okay, right, and if it takes off, then all of a sudden you've got, you know, people have had a million pounds worth, two million pounds worth
1: of pre-orders. Well, we've covered some before, haven't we, where they've, you know, they're sold out and they've already sold 20,000 units before it's even gone to market.
0: I mean, it does raise quite, uh, it, I can imagine it being a bit of a double-edged sword, though, because if I'm Joe Bloggs, the inventor, and I've set up... a I've set up a little crowdfunding thing to raise £2,000 to get a, a prototype to market and get 100, 100 items. And then all of a sudden it takes off and I've got to supply uh, 20,000 of those. I'm going to be like, where is my manufacturing? Like, where's and my what, supply what chain? What do I do? Yeah, I've
1: like, never done this before. This was just a mad hair-brained idea and I've suddenly got a business that's worth £2 million off the back.
0: Yeah, yeah. and I've got, to, I've got to supply £2 million worth of... Orders and I have no manufacturing, <laughs> no staff, no anything. Like, can you imagine the the like the the feeling that these people must go through? they like, I've got two million pounds. <laughs> I've got to send twenty thousand units by next month. Oh my god!
1: It's a uh, pot the champagne and drown your sorrows in one thousand, <laughs> isn't it? It's, yeah, uh, yeah. I. I, it's like, I hope this is so. Looking at the clam pillow, it looks like it's got. You know it's got some good. Be- um, Got some good backers on it so far. Uh, like you say, four, four days left, not seven days. Oh, left. Only wow. four days left.
0: That's I good. must have looked at it three days ago.
1: Yeah, so they've got, um, got a couple of thousand just to, left to get to their target. Um, but overall, yeah, I, I'm not personally, that's not something I'd buy, this one.
0: Fair enough. I think it's, enough.
1: it's an interesting in- invention. Um, I can understand how people might find it useful. And clearly, the reason it was invented is that the inventor either, you know, was doing something like this of chucking a pillow over their head every night just to find the comfort or know people that do need it and it's worked as a great solution. So whether it's got something, like if there's something that ties into any kind of medical conditions or something like that, I can, I can get behind that kind of thing. I just personally yeah. wouldn't see it as useful. And I will
0: always get behind a small business owner or inventor who has a problem that they experience in their personal life and decides that, you know what, I'm sick of x yeah. i'm gonna go sort it out by making something that actually does it you know absolutely. that's capitalism at its best there <laughs> Mark. absolutely it's good. all right well we, we've natted on enough about inventions i think it's now time for our new section marketing explained don't you think i think it is indeed
1: right so as a lovely twist of turn of events uh no more finance explained for now we're putting a pause on that because we think 10 weeks is enough to get some good concepts of finance out there to uh, business owners. What might be more interesting is learning different ways to market your business, uh, learning different marketing terms and understanding these things. So if you're already using these techniques or if you want to use more marketing techniques, you can get a bit of an understanding of what they are before you go and do okay, So This good. week, Jamie, I, in our first Marketing Explained, thought we'd start really lightly um, and just... As general rules of thumb, how can small businesses market better? And maybe sort of, how do you find your niche? How do you how do you differentiate yourself from others?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels weird to be in the other end of the in the hot you know in the hot seat, as it were. So, how do businesses small businesses market better? I think it's really good to start, and I made some notes here about. Um, to start with general principles. And one of the first and overriding principles in any marketing is, it's, it's like a core tenet, as you will, is to be unique, to have a unique proposition, right? Because if you don't, you get lost in the noise. Now, I'll give you an, give you an example. Can you, do you know the first person to fly across the Atlantic solo? No, I do not know the no, first person. You should know this. It kind of underscores the point. It was Charles Lindenberg. Right? And See, he f-
1: I, I remember Earhart as being one of the most famous people I remember going through.
0: Now yes. Crazy. You remember her? Now she was the third person to cross oh. the Atlantic. So it's love- not bad. No, it's not bad. But do you know why you know her?
1: No. Because
0: she was the first female to go. cross the Atlantic. Nobody ever, ever, ever remembers Mr. Burke Burt Hinkler. Who? he was the second person <laughs> oh, sorry, but he sorry, had a, Bert. <laughs> he had an amazing journey he said he like he basically went all the way down to Brazil and then flew across from Brazil to Africa he like his journey was like way more hardcore way more intense than both Charles and uh, Amelia's but nobody in there like today even knows him like if you look online most people will say Amelia Earhart was the second person to cross the Atlantic everybody forgot him and the reason everybody forgot him was because He did the same thing thing as Charles Lindenberg did just several years. It had already been done. Amelia Earhart did the same thing, but she marketed it in a different way because she was the first female uh, pilot to fly transatlantic solo. And this is a really good business analogy. You may be doing the same thing as other businesses, but you have to find a niche. You have to find some way that you can position what you do, your goods or your services, as being um, somewhat unusual and somewhat different from those around you. Now, you can do this quite well if you have a national business in, in some sector, right? Yeah. You can go, okay, we're, we're, the, we're, the, uh, we're completely uh, digitally led. We're the first digitally led uh, plant shop, let's say. Like you're going to sell plants digitally or something like that you 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 can you can put a p- proposition like that it's a little bit harder if you're a more retail based like if you're a hairdresser, for instance but you have to think about like what can you do in your in your local community or the local area to make you stand out in another way so you can be the only placing uh the only hairdressers in your area that does x service so it's like a i don't know Fade cuts or something? You've had a fake,
1: I okay skin the, fade. That's it. Skin fade. Yeah. What's a skin? Oh, what? So when they go from like a one to a four? Yeah. and yeah, no, I've had that quite frequently because, as you know, I'm balding. So it's a. Uh, so it's, it's, it's just all the reverse. Really it's just it, well, thanks. Bro, <laughs> thanks very much. Uh, no, so it's just the uh, short back and sides is the only bit that gets done. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, it's, that was going to be my question there. So if you are doing uh, what you consider to be more. Uh, Know, more of a frequent business type in. You know, it, if you look at every town, you're typically going to have a small shop, and you're going to have a pub, uh, and ideally, that's going to be that's replicated across the whole country. There's always going to be a shop and a pub in most towns. Mm-hmm. So, how do you become? Do you be, just simply put yourself out there as the best pub in Oldham or the best pub in Epping? Or you know, well, can you thing- be that? Is it going to work? Or there's certain ways you should do it.
0: The best is a really tricky. Um, it's a really tricky niche to own. Uh, To be the best, you can't say you're the best. There is actually a a, uh, a takeaway food shop over the road from us that claims to have the best katsu curry in London, said by themselves.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's tricky because I'd also want to go and find katsu curries elsewhere and test them.
0: Yes. Um, No, if you want to be the best, you have to rely on press and earned media. You have to get into a top list of... Something and then you can claim that usage. So you can, if someone writes you in the top ten lists of uh, places in Rutford, Rutland, Rutland, damn it, top ten restaurants in Rutland, then you can say that you're one of the best restaurants in Rutland. Otherwise, you can't really say yourself. But what you can say is something that you actually have. Now you can um, you can be the only, let's say we keep pubs, the only pub in Blair that. Allows dogs is a proposition. It's not the first in the world, but it's the first in that area, let's say. Um, You can do pub nights. uh, Could be something value-added. The only place in the entire county of Gloucestershire that does a uh, board game night on a Wednesdays or something like that. Like, you can add value like that. Or it can even be little things like, um, uh, for instance, you ever do the lemon and the penny game?
1: When no. You have it
0: on the side of the bar, and there's a lemon floating in water, and you have to balance a twenty pence piece on the lemon. And if it slides off, you lose the money. And if you don't, you get um, you get a free pint.
1: I've I've heard about it. I've never I've never yeah. played it.
0: Yeah, L- I love it. You just spend. <laughs> it's like it's like a really like the abacus of gambling. <laughs> <laughs> when the slot machine breaks. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah, basically. Um, But it's little touches like that, which make you unique. And some things you'll shout about, like if you're obviously included in the press or you're dog free or something like that to continue with the pub analogy, you can shout about it quite widely um, to get local people uh, attracted to it. But there's other touches that you can do that just ingrain in people's minds. They see that and they go, I've never seen that in this, this area. I've never seen that at all. And that you You start to establish yourself as something unique, something away from the everyday like we 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 have as people the same experiences for a lot of our lives. We do the same things we go to the same shops we go to the same sort of pubs so anything your business can do to disrupt that normality s- yeah normality will will create that recognition and hopefully that word of mouth and then you can you can hopefully spread that word of mouth further and generate more revenue and um, more customers and more revenue as a result
1: okay so if you're looking so obviously being unique very important how would you then get that message out there so if you're say if you're a lo- a small local business how are you going to be pushing out your message do you think as a as a first point of call aside from word of mouth and chucking a sign up on your front of your, your business if you if you've got a store or a premises how would you yourself go around marketing initially if, Staying clear of digital marketing at this point.
0: Oh, well, digital marketing is a, it's a whole world. Um, okay, if I was a small business and I wanted to promote myself as widely as possible, uh, as fast as possible, I would start thinking of angles to get local press coverage for, and maybe retain. Usually, there's there, you can find people who work in PR who have had enough of the city life and they're like okay I'm going to come to Hertfordshire or something like that and set up a, a small independent practice and so what they are is they have all this experience they they've they've done their time with the big agencies but now they want a slightly more to date pace of life or they want to just do it in their local community what would their job titles be so you say what
1: they're going to be what media agencies no or?
0: no you just see like freelance PR consultant or okay. PR consultancy or something like that a freelance PR person um, and just talk with them and see if you can start getting a few angles into the local press that you're you do a few initiatives that you come up with like have a brainstorm think about ideas and then go to um, get you know, get your press releases, target your local press. Local press always love to talk about local businesses in the community, especially if they're doing something interesting and start getting that coverage. Cause that also comes up online as well. have will publish the stories online. Mm. So you, 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 it's not just like one hit in the local, uh, Argyle and you're off. It's, you know, it lasts a lot longer. Um, I think there's one for another day, but the next thing I, I would look to is start thinking about paid search ads, paid social ads, um,
1: uh, so yeah, I think you know, we se- we should separate out the yeah I the, think it's one because it's yeah. quite a big su- subject area. yeah
0: one day. for another day but stuff like you know dog friendly pubs in X great great keyword to uh, to target but we can get into that another time okay.
1: uh, does that answer your initial question I anymore? think it does first yeah first You're and foremost be unique have a, a different offering to others out there whether that be through product or service or experience or whatever it be. Find a different angle that you can market yourselves than everyone else in the area. Always be your beautiful, authentic self, man. <laughs> Never change. Thank you, Jamie. I'll try and keep that in mind. Uh, shall we move into the quote of the week?
0: Of course. This is Brilliant or Bonkers, where we look at inspirational quotes from all over the big wide world that is our earth and decide whether they are brilliant or bonkers for small businesses. Um, All right, right, what quote have we got today? I think this is my quote, isn't it?
1: This is your quote, yes. Okay,
0: I'm going to read it straight at you and then I'm going to try and ask you who you think said it. Okay. A man who procrastinates in his choosing will inevitably have his choice made for him by circumstance.
1: Say it again, please.
0: A man who procrastinates in his choosing will inevitably have his choice made for him by circumstance.
1: Okay. And you want me to tell you who said that?
0: Yeah, it's probably the most sedate thing he ever said.
1: Okay, so out of the the quotes from the whole world and everyone in them, who said this particular quote? Yes. Okay, I'm going to take a really big stab in the dark and say... Uh, Hunter S. Thompson, The Proud Highway, Saga of a Desperate Southern Gentleman, 1955 to 1966. Read the bloody show notes, didn't you? I just did, yes. <laughs> Thank you very much, Shirley. Uh, I don't have a clue who Hunter S. Thompson is. Do you not? Not a Scooby.
0: He was uh, an amazing, incredible um, American journalist, and he became famous in the late 1960s because he, uh, he pioneered this form of um, journalism, which he called gonzo journalism. Okay, which involved living the story that you're telling. So he wanted to report on.
1: So if we're thinking about things like combat journalists that go out and live in a war zone and report back, uh, or not quite that extreme. No,
0: you see, because that's that comes with its own set of problems. E- embedded journalists um, feel a. Re- relationship with the troops that they're reporting on and not it's it's a whole thing it's not so uh, bad
1: to another extreme looking at is it for example looking at if you want to look at drug issues in a town you become a druggie in the town yes okay so it's effectively just writing a story about how your life's going
0: no, it, it's about radically throwing yourself into somebody else's shoes. Like he,
1: method acting.
0: Yes, it's like the the method acting of journalism. He first did it with the Hells Angels. Okay. Um, oh, he, okay. Right. He spent a year with the Hells Angels um, doing everything they did, being one of them to really get under the skin of his. That sounds great fun, doesn't it? Well, I don't know. I mean, Maybe not
1: in the example of the Hells Angels, but you could you could just go off and live eight, 10, 15, 20 different lives. Yeah, you could. I mean,
0: what life would be yours when you came back? Though is quite you just pick one, don't you? Yeah, but he. Uh, I mean, he. He later went on to do stuff about the failing of the counterculture in the sixties and all the drugs, and he produced the really famous novel, which then became a, a film, uh, *Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas*. Have you seen that? I have seen that. Yes. Johnny Depp. Yeah. Somewhere outside the desert, when the drugs began to take hold.
1: So does this get? Is this quoted in the movie? No, this is it's actually
0: this is something separate, which I don't actually know what it's from. I just saw it when I was looking up his quotes, and I thought it was quite an apt one. Mm. What do you think about the quote itself? A, so, pers- a person who procrastinates will inevitably have their choice made for them. Bar.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> it could be more accurate for business certainly, um, of having choices and then choosing not to make them, and then suddenly being made for you. Uh, life, to a point as well, it's something where if you if you don't if you don't make a decision then it's gonna it's gonna be made for you um, there's I think there's areas where do you believe in free will that's a really soft topic to cover isn't it well, um, I mean it is basically the question isn't it do you believe like, but it is very subjective so it depends what you're talking about if I if I don't choose a new phone provider then BT will put my prices up so that's that choice will be made for me by BT if I don't do anything but if I don't get, if I procrastinate whether I want to get a tattoo, no one's going to suddenly appear and tattoo me in my sleep. So <laughs> I hope not. Anyway. Oh no, the wrong tattooist. <laughs> so I think it is very subjective in life as to what exactly you're trying to choose between. Um, okay, yes, you could claim that the the choice being made is that you're not going to get a tattoo, and therefore that's the choice being made for you. But that's you choosing still. So I do believe in the free will in that respect. I just think.
0: Yeah, but your choices as to what you choose are predetermined. One could argue by your upbringing and stuff that you had no control of, and biology.
1: Oh, what's the old saying? What's the um, the, the genetics, the, the hereditary upbringing saying? I can't remember it right now. But no, I in terms of business, this is something where uh, for a business owner, maybe I think if you if you fail to grasp opportunities sometimes, then you miss it, then that's a choice that you've missed and your procrastination cost you there, equally uh, you might have lo- you might have missed out on something that would be very costly for you. So,
0: Do you feel that there are any moments where you should procrastinate?
1: Yeah, massive choices in life, generally worth thinking over.
0: Um, so that said, this saying doesn't apply to those
1: bits? Okay, I'm going to fall back on it, it's very subjective. Hmm. What's your view on it, Jamie?
0: Well, I was trying to work this out. I, I, I quite like it. I you mean, don't
1: even know yourself. You're grilling me like that. You don't even know your own point of view.
0: I mean, it's my speciality, <laughs> isn't it? Just throw, throw questions shut out up, but not answer them. Up. What I think is quite an interesting example is if you couldn't make a choice, right? So you had two, equal decision, two paths that you could go down in a choice with equal weighting behind this path. You've got an equal amount of information and you just don't know which way you do. Would you flip a coin? And just go with what they said, with what the coin said.
1: Or do it based on purely on charts.
0: Yeah, because to me that feels really like, no, that's stupid. But it's actually quite a clever way of making a decision because one decision, making a decision is often better than making no decision, right? But I still feel quite uncomfortable with the idea that if I was... The
1: the tattoo example now is perfect for this. If If you were heart set on getting a tattoo and you had two to choose from and you didn't know which one to choose, would you flip a coin to choose one? Personally, I would like to think I would be brave enough to do that, (laughs) but I would
0: also think that my mind would be able to go. No, I have to think this out, which I think is the danger of procrastination is you have to keep on saying my mind will work this out. I just need to keep thinking about it. Oh, I'd flip a coin in that instance. Really? Yeah. Why not? I did not flip a coin with my one and only tattoo. <laughs> Prost you
1: had. <laughs> <laughs> Spry
0: um, age of 21 just ran into Seven Oaks only tattoo parlor. Um, are they they unique? Yes. I've never seen anybody with a, with the same tattoo as me.
1: I meant Seven Oaks only tattoo parlor.
0: Oh, the, yes. <laughs> we should get them on the podcast. Um,
1: so, yeah, I think there's, there's certain times when this is accurate, certain times when not. So in that basis, I'm going to say it is a bonkers quote.
0: What? No, no, I, I say that there are always times in life where you procrastinate, action is always better than inaction, um, energy and expenditure is always better than inertia. Um,
1: not for conservation purposes, it's not.
0: Excitement and passion is always better than apathy and entropy. So I would say brilliant.
1: So we're, all, we're, we're actually at an impasse because I'm going to stick with bonkers.
0: Okay, uh, so we've got a split decision. We've got it? a split decision. <laughs> Flip a coin. Actually, wait a minute. Uh, and I have a, I have a ring in my hand. Which ring? Which one is it? That one. Which one?
1: Hey, I got it right.
0: Which one? Oh, that one. Go on. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yes, I got it right. Yes, yeah, so you get to decide. Bonkers. Fun. Absolute bonkers. Decision made. It is bonkers. <laughs> what a brilliant way to end the
1: podcast. Oh, visual aid. a mm. visual aid. Great. Thank you very much for listening everybody. Um, Please send us your thoughts, send us your questions, queries, uh, statements to podcast at iwaka.co.uk. we would love to hear from you. And if you've got anything you'd like us to cover in the next couple of weeks equally, drop us a line and we'll get back to you.
0: Absolutely, there's a lot of marketing uh, explained that I would love to get into. Chuck us an email and um, I will try to answer those questions. But for now, have a good week, have a good weekend, and we will see you soon. See you soon. All the best.